0: I hunger for growth. I hunger for the goodness of God right here in the land of the living. I hunger for righteousness. I hunger for peace. God, I'm hungry for you. Well, we're going to continue on in our series again this week on hunger. Well, come on, come on. Doreen, you're going to have to put them up for me. They're not working. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care about the recording. <laughs> We're going to continue on in our series on hunger this morning. And, uh, you know, this is hunger is something that we can all relate to because you've all been hungry. If you said you've not been hungry before in your life, you're lying. You know, I think of just even this morning I was making my breakfast and Bennett kind of danced into the room and he's like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And then he opened the drawer to where the cereal is kept and he's like, oh man, I don't want anything in here. I don't like that cereal. I'm just so hungry. And I said, well, apparently you're not that hungry. He said, you're being picky. And uh, what God, Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 5, verse 6, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Yes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, it, we said last week when we were going through all the different Beatitudes that the word that we use there for blessed is the word happy. It says, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, think about this. That that happiness, so we're often looking for happiness as we go throughout our lives, but the things that we may be seeking are not the things that will actually bring us happiness. Come on. There, There are things that you can have a desire for that will not bring you the fulfillment that you're looking for. There's certain things that you will only find satisfaction for in your life that are found in God. And so here he says happy are those who hunger. But it's not just about hunger here. He says, blessed or happy are those who hunger for, everyone say it with me, righteousness. So you can be hungry for the wrong things in your life that won't bring you the fulfillment that you wish they would. And so here Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger for righteousness for they shall be filled. Now, Doreen, are you you jumping around to different connections back there? Are we on... uh, uh marshall or are we on okay let me see if i can get going with you because i want to make sure that we all stay up on the same page this morning just one second there we go i think we're go- i think we're cooking with gas now eh? come on pray for me this morning pray for me and so it says, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so what, what is righteousness? The word that we use here for righteousness, it, it's, the definition says, in a broad sense, it is the state of him who is as he ought to be. Think about this. It's not how we think we should be. It's the state of him who is as he ought to be. And it goes a little bit deeper than that, that righteousness is the condition that is acceptable to God. Now, when we say things like that, we can get in and be like, oh, well, how do I know if I'm going to get ever get to the condition that is acceptable to God? Go ahead, take the pressure off yourself. You don't have to worry about that. You want to know why? Because Paul told us, he says, for he made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So on that cross there was a divine exchange. There was an interaction between you who hadn't even been born on this earth yet. There was an interaction between you and Jesus where Jesus said, you don't have to worry about getting yourself into the condition that is acceptable. Here, go ahead and take my righteousness. I go ahead and call you acceptable. And that's the great thing about salvation is that there's nothing you could do to make yourself good enough. There's nothing that you could do that gets yourself into the position that is as you ought to be. So Jesus just said, you know what? I'm just going to put them into that position. So we're talking about righteousness, the condition that is acceptable to God. But you know, that definition goes a little bit deeper than that. As we look more into the nuances of what righteousness is, it's not just a hunger for a position that God's already put you in there. You know, the more you get to know God and the closer you get, in, get with him, guess what happens? You begin to long for the things that he longs for. of the brethren. The enemy has taken this time to divide the church with politics, to divide the church with restlessness and fear. And here the the psalm says when brothers and sisters in Christ are together, it's like an oil of anointing that brings true joy and it's where his blessing is, life forevermore. I gotta go ahead and tell you, I don't care if you're vaxxed or unvaxxed, whether you like a mask or you don't like a mask, you need to be together with brothers and sisters in Christ because that's where he's commanded his blessings together. We have more in common in Jesus than we do of things that divide us in this world. The world was never meant to bring you together. The Holy Spirit brings us together in unity. Amen? And so he says how good and how pleasant it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. That doesn't mean we'll all think the same way. That doesn't mean we'll all do the same thing. But we have the same purpose. And that says I hunger for Jesus. I hunger after righteousness and I shall be filled. You want to come get filled with me? Let's walk that journey together. Amen. And so hunger brings us to the table of the master, but he'll never make you eat. You know, I think that the most annoying thing as a parent, I do most of the cooking in our family, and I love to prepare meals and think about them, and there's nothing more annoying to me than when I am say, okay, guys, boys, it's time for supper. Come on down. And they say, oh, I don't want that. I don't like that. And even worse is, I'm not hungry. And I'm like, well, why aren't you hungry, Montgomery? Because he's a grazer <laughs> He'll be in and out of the, food, the fridge every 20 minutes I need another cheese string I need another granola bar And he just eats and eats and eats And you know, we're, we do the same thing in, in our lives spiritually Why aren't we hungry to get to the table? Because we've been eating the high fructose corn syrup of the world And we've been spending all of our time and our desire running after those things That when God says, man, I just prepared the meal that will satisfy You say, well, I'm good I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't need that right now. And when we think about the nutritional value of what the wholesome meal that's been prepared versus what we snack on, man, God's got things that will make you grow in ways you never thought. The world has things that will zap your power will zap your, your energy and your love for life and your love for others. And so we have to be careful of where we place our drive because hunger is meant to bring us to the table of the master. And if I haven't been hungry for a while, I have to ask myself, why? What have I been eating that has been robbing me of that God-given drive to come to the table so that I can be filled and have my cup running over? And so, with the time we have left, I want to go over to Luke chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. How's everybody doing? Yeah. Luke chapter 15. And this is a, a story that Jesus told that we're all very familiar with. In verse 11 of chapter 15, he said, um, Certain man had two sons. And this is a parable that is describing the difference between how people act in the world versus how they act when they're around the Father. And it says, and the younger said to them, he said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And so he divided to them his livelihood. You know, what, a, what a request here. The father's not dead, but basically he said, I wish you were dead so I could have my half of the stuff. How would you feel if I came to you and said that? You know, like, I just want you to go ahead and sell the house, sell all your stuff. I want my portion. And my dad's like, it's all going to Toaf, anyways. <coughs> but that you got to understand what an insult that very that very statement it was and the father just said okay because the our heavenly father will never force us to do anything he gives his delight to give you the kingdom but he doesn't make you walk in it And it says, and not many days after that, the younger son gathered all together. He journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions on prodigal living. Now, the way that I heard this story going up is like he, he wasted it on prostitutes and booze and everything like that. The story never tells us that. The word prodigal here just means he was wasteful and he was lavish, meaning he wanted to be the life of the party, he wanted to be liked, he wanted people to look at him and say, oh, look at all the stuff that he's got. I want to be around him. You can't buy friends. You can't buy status. Because when everything runs out, you'll be left with pitiful old you. So it's better to work on growing you than getting others to like you. And so it says when he had spent all, all there arose a severe famine in the land and there will always be another famine. Just so you're aware. The world runs in cycles. There's feast times and there's famine times and God will see you through them all because he is your supply. Right. You know, on Friday, we, a bunch of guys, we were together talking and I said, you know, you know we got to reevaluate what we consider rich because the economy we grew up in, you may have lots of that but it may not exist tomorrow. But whatever system does exist tomorrow, you're fine. Okay, come on. I see that didn't go that way. You'll be fine. Look at Elijah. His system collapsed, and God said, I've got a river and a bird. (laughs) And that was enough. And when the time of the river and the bird were gone, he says, it's okay. I've got a poor widow. Like, (laughs) God, no. How about a rich widow who's got more than she needs? God doesn't need this economy to be perfect for you to prosper. Doesn't at all. Because uh, you know the economy we have? is really, new in the history of this world. There's been ones that have risen and fallen, and that cycle will continue, and you can prosper wherever you're planted, as long as you stay where God told you to stay. And so he says that there there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And we think this as, you know, he just, he, he needed some things, but this word is the word historio, which means to be behind or to come Late or to be left behind in a race so as to fail to reach the goal or to fall short. Has anybody ever felt like that? Like, I'm so far behind in this race, I will never catch up. This is meaning he's indebted. He spent more than what he had. And so what happens in verse 15, he went and joined himself to a citizen. What does that word mean, joined? Meaning somebody else paid off his debt and he said, I'm going to come and work for you the world will leave you with lacking and it will tie you to things that you don't need to be tied to. And so he finds himself tied in a situation that is not ideal. He tied himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And there could be no worse place for a Jewish boy to be. That's totally not kosher. He's feeding pigs. They're not even supposed to have pigs where he came from. And it says, he gladly would have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. Pretty dire situation the son has found himself in. And we often make choices like this son did at the beginning. He insulted his father. He walked out into a situation he never should have been in. But it doesn't matter what your decision was in the past. We all need a verse 17 moment. When he came to himself. Shake your head. Say, whew, that was a bad idea. I gotta sort this out. I gotta get back. I gotta get back. And so he says, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? Hunger should have drawn drawn him back to the Father before he would. The hunger should have brought him back to the Father before he joined himself to a him, person of that country. But he's been pushing off his hunger until he's now to the point where I perish with hunger. It's no longer a good hunger. It's a, I'm starving hunger. As Christians, we shouldn't be starving. I'm not talking about natural. I'm talking about there's a spiritual starvation that's in so much of the body of Christ. God is your fulfillment. Amen. He's a God of a cup flowing over. We don't need to be in a I perish with hunger situation. Doesn't matter how bad the decisions that have prior have been come a run into the table. And what was happening is the son was trying to be his own provision for that longing, that hunger. The son was trying to fulfill something he was never designed to fulfill. Whenever that hunger cries out on the inside of you, go ahead and say, I can't make this go away. There's only one place. And so we see there's different ways that people try to fill that hole fill that longing and one of them we can see described here in Matthew chapter 13 with the parable of the sower it says therefore hear the parable of the sower says in verse 19 when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it then the wicked one comes and snatches it away what was sown in his heart and this is he who received on the wayside so, the first type of ground that we see that seed, and the seed is the word of God, whatever God is saying, what he said, the first type, there's an immediate, it's like kind of like, I don't get it, I'm moving on. And what is the enemy saying? He doesn't want you to get it. He doesn't want you to understand that God will be your supply and your source and your fulfillment. And so in rather than asking questions, rather than spending time at the table, He did what Montgomery does. I'm not hungry. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Saying, I'm not hungry to ask the question. I'm not hungry to sit down with the Father and say, I don't understand. Can you please explain? And we spent a lot of time last year with our series on questions that God is not afraid of your questions. Not afraid at all. And so the first is not interested in knowing. Verse 20 says, but he who received on the stony places is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When tribulations or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. We could liken this person who came to the table and decided, I'll have the appetizer. Gimme the fried octopus or gimme the bruschetta or you know the, the goat cheese dip. Ooh, that was great. I think I'm good. They didn't sit down and eat until they were full, until their cup was running over. They just wanted to dabble at the table a little bit. And you know what the great thing is? And when you come to the table, what happens? There's communication, there's conversation, there's a strengthening of the family. And if we just think about this from a natural standpoint, that's one of the things that the enemy has used to break down our society is we no longer gather at the table. We don't gather as a family. We don't train up our children the the way that they should because we just kind of all so busy and on the run, like, oh, I'll just have a burger on the way. No, sit down and talk. That's just a side note for you, but I won't charge you for it. And so in this type, in verse 21, they just had the appetizer and they were happy when they had the appetizer. But when the problem started to jump up, immediately they stumbled because they didn't have the substance. There's a lot of Christians here. They come to church and when I say in here, I don't mean in here. But I mean in the body of Christ, that they come to the table just for a snack and they're like, oh, that was a great Sunday. They can't remember what I said by Monday or Tuesday, or three weeks down the road since they haven't been to church again, and what happens is they're stumbling. Because God will prepare you ahead of time before you hit the problem. So that when the stumbling block comes up, you just go, no thanks, I already knew that. Or even better, boot it out of the way. Verse 22, it says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Here this describes a type of people that they've been to the table. They've had a few meals with the Lord, but you know what happens after a series of time, they begin to look at what everybody else is doing around them and they're saying, "Well, it's okay if I just don't come here once in a while. I'll go, you know, McDonald's. That that should be enough for today." And before you know it, you're spending time at McDonald's and Wendy's and Tim Hortons and you haven't been to the table and it begins to choke off the word. You ever notice that like when someone's been living a healthy lifestyle, it's like, ooh, everything's been good and everything like that? It's like, oh yeah, I can I can cheat here and there, and Mm -hmm. cheat here and there becomes a cheat a lot. And before you know it, they're heading in a different direction. There's things that are fine occasionally, but don't let what should be done daily become occasionally. And don't let what should only be done occasionally become daily. Come to the table. Get before the Father and then verse 23 it's he who receives seed on good ground is he who hears the word understand it and indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold some sixtyfold some thirtyfold and so here's a one, someone who has a lifestyle of I come to the table this is where I partake it's not my Sunday thing it's my day thing I wake up and go to the table I have a problem throughout the day I go to the table whatever comes my way you'll be found at the table and what happens happens with that type of person? They grow, they bear fruit, and it varies between 160, 30. You know, we don't have to judge the fruit. We just need to allow ourselves to grow it. You know, there's a very sad scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul has found himself in a tight situation, and in verse 9, he's writing to Timothy, and here's what he had to say. Come quickly. Be diligent to come to me quickly, Timothy, for Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and he's departed for Thessalonica wow you can just feel the weight of Paul writing this Demas my fellow traveling companion my fellow minister he's left and why did he leave because he loved this world more And he goes on, he says, Cretan's gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. And he said, only Luke's with me now. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the ministry. And I don't think we often understand the gravity of what he just said there. Go get Mark. Who was Mark? Mark had abandoned him on the mission field years before. And him and Barnabas fought so hard about Mark coming that him and Barnabas split up. And so this is someone that Paul at one point in his life said, you're useless, I don't want you around me. But you know what, regardless of what your past choices have been, God can turn you around and make you useful in the kingdom. Yes. And so what Paul said, no, I'm not, I'm not taking Mark with me. Now he's saying, please, go get Mark mark and you know how mark got in this position after he left paul he ended up getting joined to peter and peter of all people had a little more patience for him <laughs> we're talking about peter who chopped off a guy's ear in defense of jesus we're talking about peter who denied him three times has grown himself that's why we say i hunger for growth <laughs> i'm not gonna be who i was yesterday i want to grow god grow me says, Mark is now useful. Okay, let's get back to the story of the prodigal son because you thought I forgot about it. I didn't, I didn't. We're back, we're back. So verse 18, the son says, I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Nothing wrong with that part of the statement. Next part though, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. No matter what you've done, you still are worthy. Let's let that marinate for a second. You are still worthy. Because your actions didn't make you worthy the first time. And so his mentality here is how can I convince my father that I can come back to the kingdom? Oh, that's why I won't be a son anymore. I'll just be a servant. Uh, God doesn't need another servant. He created us as sons and daughters. And he arose and he came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him had compassion, and he ran and he fell on his neck and kissed him. And so the son says, I'll go be a servant because surely my father won't really want me. And the father saw him and came running. Think about that. He came running it didn't change the father's thoughts about the son. And so the son gets to him, And he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He goes into his speech that he's prepared. And it says, but the father said to the servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Go get the ring and put it on his hand. Get some sandals on this boy's feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let's eat and let us be merry. The father just ignores all the I'm not worthy garbage. God is not looking for you to come and say, oh God, please, I'm just a worm. No, he's looking for sons and daughters and he says, come boldly before the throne of grace where you obtain mercy and health in your time of need. We come a running because that's what the Father does. We follow his example. As he ran to the one who was not feeling worthy, you run to the Father regardless of how you feel because you were designed to be with the Father and part of the kingdom. Hallelujah. And he says, for my son was dead, and he's now alive again. And he was lost, and he's found, and they began to be married. What did we say? I'm dead, and my life is hid in Christ. I was dead, but I'm not dead anymore. The life I now live, I live out of the power of Jesus who purchased it for me, who gave it as a gift to me, and I just freely receive it, and I say, I will be one of those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and there I will be filled hallelujah hallelujah and so we develop a hunger mentality we keep up checking on our spiritual condition have I been to the table how am I feeling if there's a something missing something stirring on the inside of you the only place to go is to the table even in the presence of your enemies They can say what they want, but the Father's still laying out the spread. He's setting the table. He's cutting the meat. He's cutting the bread. He's prepared the salad. Whatever it is you eat, he's prepared a seat for you. I want to end on this verse right here. In Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11, he says, you will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When you seek after righteousness, you find God, you find joy, you find the pleasures of the kingdom. As we said last week in the starting of the Beatitudes, he says, happy is the poor one because all of heaven is standing at his disposal so go ahead and say this with me say I hunger I hunger for growth I hunger for the goodness of God right here in the land of the living I hunger for righteousness I hunger for peace my God I hunger for you Now maybe you've been watching us today via the internet and you haven't had your introduction with Jesus. Right now is your time. This is your moment. Don't wait another moment. You can't win your way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. But what you can do is freely accept the gift of Jesus that he's laid out before you. So let's pray with them. Let's say, Father, I ask for Jesus. I receive him right now into my life. I turn from all else. I sit down at your table. Thank you for this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us, we would love to get you hooked up with a good church in your area, get you hooked up with some resources. If you're in the Smith Falls area, we say welcome home. But guys, there's hunger on the inside of you. You can be filled at the table of the master. In a moment, our care team's going to be up here at the front. If you have anything that you need prayer with, do not hesitate to come. They would love to stand with you, lay hands on you, believe with you. Whatever it is, we should be brothers and sisters together in unity in Christ. Whatever you need, go and have a conversation with them. Pastor Robin. Hallelujah. Woohoo!